Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. When we discussed risk and reward a week or two ago, we said what most people consider low risk no longer is. We suggested those who believe a mathematical formula other than as a place to start can be misleading and possibly meaningless, especially if you're using historical returns over the past 15 years as the basis for making forecasts. We know now that rules like 60-40, certainly in a low or zero interest rate world, not only fail to mitigate risk, they often add to it. And in the end, we said a better place to focus when it comes to analyzing one's tolerance for risk would instead be to define what you consider acceptable and unacceptable over a given period of time. But in today's world, anything less than long-term is going to be tough to tolerate. So today, we felt it made sense to revisit two of our very first topics nearly two years ago on asset allocation and investment strategies. Let's start by defining what asset allocation means. Asset allocation is the process one goes through when seeking to balance a portfolio's potential for risk and reward, that is, for gains and losses. By adjusting the percent you invest in each asset or asset class according to a person's goals and time frame and their tolerance for volatility, by which we mean one's financial and emotional ability to tolerate a substantial drop in value. The goal, again, is to balance whatever we have in our portfolios when choosing from all of the many possibilities we have under the assumption that each given asset will theoretically behave differently than the others in different economic scenarios and circumstances. Toward that end, people seek to diversify their holdings in such a way as to reduce their exposure to any particular asset in case of disaster, to achieve an acceptable return over time while minimizing the risk of loss along the way. Strategically, after reserving for any short-term needs and some sort of buffer for emergencies, it's only then we recommend people turn to longer-term lifestyle goals, including retirement or philanthropy, when targeting things like growth and total return. By investing in stocks, bonds, and real estate, for example, and on an ongoing basis, reassessing those investments periodically, adjusting the mix as markets move and things change in our lives to make sure we stay on track. But in the process, it's important we be guided by some philosophy, like Stephen Covey does in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where we learn to begin with the end in mind. That is, knowing where we want to go. In my opinion, a person's asset allocation should really boil down to three primary drivers. 
First, what concrete goals a person wants to achieve. Then, how much each of those goals will cost in terms of time, effort, and money. And most importantly, how much time they have to achieve them. If the timeline is one year or less, the primary consideration should be preservation of capital. If 10 years or more, it's to maximize growth. And everything in between is some blend of the two. Another consideration, one I referred to earlier, is something called correlation, which has to do with identifying investments we expect to behave differently from one another under different circumstances. Now we know this isn't always the case. And like we said in our podcast on risk and reward, in times of crisis, all asset classes become correlated and go down together. But we have found that in a low or zero interest rate world, the way everything relates to everything else has changed. So while we know in general it's important to diversify to some degree, the only real question is by how much? One way in which Lori and I differ is based on this notion that if you knew ahead of time that a given investment would weather any storm and give you a fantastic long-term rate of return, why wouldn't you put all your eggs in one basket or that one stock? That, for example, is how people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Elon Musk became truly wealthy by owning almost exclusively a large amount of, say, Microsoft, Amazon, and Tesla and holding on to them for almost ever through all the ups and downs. We call this compounding, like I discussed in my Equus report titled The Pareto Principle. One difference, of course, is that each of these examples were companies these people owned and operated themselves. So they knew better than anyone else exactly where they were going and how they planned to get there. They were in control and the ones making the decisions how to manage their company's balance sheets and which products or technologies they were going to invest. Whereas in our case... We're just along for the ride with no meaningful say. But another reason we don't concentrate to this degree is, of course, because we can never know whether things will ultimately go according to plan or not. Nobody has that good a crystal ball. So we add some other things, different stocks, perhaps precious metals, maybe these days some short-term bonds, and a few alternatives like a good hedge or venture capital fund. In my opinion, however, it's better to have fewer baskets and to watch those baskets more closely because I believe in concentration, the power of compounding, and on focus. And like Warren Buffett, letting your winners run until something dramatic changes. And assuming you've truly done your due diligence, it changes why you made the purchase in the first place. When it comes to expected rates of return, most advisors will again tell you there's no way for anyone to know the future. So it's better to simply hedge your bets by investing across all asset classes. And as Barnaby said, he and I do have somewhat of a different opinion on this. But we do both agree that one must take not only the current economic environment into account, but also think in terms of moving a football down the field. That is one's field position. In the face of rising interest rates and inflation, And with the yield on 10-year treasuries at three and three quarters percent, we still believe when it comes to bonds, we're on the 80 or 90-yard line with very little upside versus the downside risk should rates again continue to rise. We should note, according to the Chartered Alternative Investment Association, that 2022 was the first year in which equity and fixed income both fell significantly, perhaps because they 
were both so high at the start of the year. And maybe, like the character in Monty Python's Meaning of Life, the 60-40 mix isn't quite dead yet. But we've believed in recent years that regardless of your age, any allocation to bonds should be smaller and of shorter duration than at any time over the past 40 years. In other words, things do change, and when they do, so must we. Also, when it comes to things like valuation, most people feel by almost any measure that stocks are stretched and perhaps people's expectations are overly optimistic. Where Barnaby is mostly in the growth at a reasonable price camp, I'm a big believer in the teachings of Benjamin Graham with keeping a focus on what we call value. I think, for example, when a company's assets are trading at or below book value, when it's cheaper to buy than build, that's when you want to invest. Sometimes it's better to sit on the sidelines if you can't find anything worthwhile to buy for what you consider a reasonable price. But in my opinion, it also may mean you just invest less in that particular stock and have lower expectations because when you take the dividends into consideration, there are a lot of stocks, given where rates are today, that should do better than bonds despite valuation when thinking over the long term. But what is valuation? Besides whatever someone's willing to pay or the yield they're willing to accept. In Europe, for example, over the years since Draghi's famous do-whatever-it-takes speech in 2013, they've issued more than $17 trillion worth of debt with a negative interest rate, meaning investors were willing to pay someone to lend them their money. In any event, valuation is supposed to be based on some estimated future cash flow relative to something called the risk-free rate of return of, say, a one- or ten-year treasury, and people then try to discount that back to find fair value today. But given where things stand with interest rates as low as they are, determining fair value is more challenging to assess. And I tend to think more in terms of leadership, a company's total addressable market and their market share and on their long-term product roadmap so we can see where they're going and what other levers they have to pull when one of their shots ultimately doesn't work out as planned. So to summarize, given where interest rates are, we still feel there should be a smaller allocation to bonds than the traditional age-based or 60-40 models suggest. While it may sometimes temper short-term gains, there are other asset classes like these things called alternatives that can help offset risk in the equity part of your portfolio if you're willing to sacrifice some liquidity. Based on today's low interest rates and elevated valuations, we think one's expectations for returns should be more tempered for the foreseeable future. Depending on one's stage in life, it's as important as ever to add to one's investments on a consistent and ongoing basis, not only to increase savings, but given the higher volatility, to take advantage of those inevitable swings. And do make sure to periodically rebalance, that is back to your target allocation, to help you stay on track. And as Barnaby likes to say, make a plan, work a plan, to be sure you're always in the right frame of mind so you resist the temptation to give in to fear. It's not that you should ignore important warnings, whether of detours or cliffs ahead, in the belief things always go up. Clearly, they don't. 
And for those times, we want to make sure we always have plenty of money in reserve so you're never forced to sell. It's important to stay focused on the reasons you're investing in anything in the first place. And at any given time, if those reasons still hold true, don't let yourself be shaken out. We always want to be prepared emotionally and monetarily to take advantage of other people's short-sightedness. With some of your reserves, we raised when times are good. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you did, that you'll share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 